current part of this series in the Sermon on the Mount. Next week will be the last message from this section. But um, in the autumn, I want to continue with this teaching, but it won't be from the platform here. But I will be finding a tiny corner in my house. Remember when we were in the height of the pandemic, had to broadcast, live stream from our home and the front room had microphones and cameras and things. Well, it was really quite awkward. So I found a little, little corner. And from there, I hope to be able to continue to teach online. Um, you'll be able to follow, if you wish, from the autumn onwards. But we're coming now to this last section. Now, in the month of September, I will be presenting other messages to you, um, kind of a, a final uh, time together from the pulpit. Amanda and I will be stepping aside from the senior leadership. Uh, last Sunday is the 10th of October. And uh, the new minister and his wife, Mark and Kathy Ryan, will be taking over. Amanda and I aren't going anywhere. We're being released to be based in Kensington Temple, but released to the nations. So we'll still be around. But um, we will, of course, be staying behind to support the, the work of God, the new ministry. And I know you're going, to, you're going to be a real blessing to Mark and Kathy. And um, they are going to be a blessing to you. So we thank God for the evolution and the furthering of his purposes in our lives and as a church. Kensington Temple is bigger than any single one of us. While we've had the privilege of serving as in the senior leadership for 30 years, associated with the church, baptized here in 1971, uh, that's when even some of the gray-haired people were, were yet to be born. But anyway, way, way back. God is good. God is faithful. And his purposes are unfailing. My title this morning is Disciples Essential to the Planet. I'm turning you to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read verses 13 to 16. It's the salt and light passage. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus makes this startling statement to perhaps a handful of his close disciples and a few others gathered around not to the crowds that always attended, but to his disciples. 
And he says to this little bunch of people sitting with him on those gentle slopes just outside of Capernaum in Galilee, he says to them, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. What he was saying was, you disciples, not just of that day, but even today, you disciples are essential to the well-being of all the individuals and communities around you and across the planet. Essential to the well-being of planet Earth. But what does this mean? What does it mean to be salt and light in today's world especially? And how is it that you benefit the world, you benefit others by living out what Jesus calls you to be and to do? Let me tell you a story. About 10 days ago, I sat to have some lunch with four brothers, very mature men, my age and a bit older. Had lunch with four brothers and they told me the story of their life, the story of their family. Originally there were five, there are now four surviving. They were a family that lived in Palestine in the 1940s. And they were among the many Palestinians who were evicted from their land when the state of Israel was formed. And they, had to, they were refugees in many different parts of the Middle East. This family, the mother and father and the young children, came to settle in Amman in Jordan. They left everything behind, all their wealth, their property, and lived in a tiny single-roomed house with five people and more. The father was a pastor, began to minister to people and eked out whatever existence they could. Uh, one day, somebody made a gift to them of a plate of tomatoes. I can hear it now. They kept calling them tomatoes. And so as the family sat down to their evening meal, that's all they had, one of the church members passed by, there's always one, who looked into the pastor's house and said, oh, the pastor has tomatoes, and we have no tomatoes. So without saying a word, the loving pastor took the tomatoes away from the family table and gave them to the church members. But God saw those tomatoes and worked out something by way of an amazing plan as the years rolled by, the family prospered, mother and father passed away. These brothers became men of influence in their community. One became a pastor. Another was a missionary ministering very much to estranged groups of people around the world. Another man became a businessman and prospered a great deal and gave away so much money to help Christian workers. And the family were involved together with his other brother who was very much involved in relief work amongst 
modern time refugees. And the kindness of these brothers was legendary. It was not uncommon for people they were ministering to, refugees, current refugees, many of them were displaced Muslim families starting out in life in Jordan just as these brothers had all those many years ago. Not uncommon for people to say, why are you doing this? You, you, you help us. You love us. We, we go even to our own people and they reject us. But you Christians, you help us. Why? Very obvious answer. Easy to explain why. It's the love of Christ. Now, the tomatoes. How funny, after all those years, one of the brothers has a farm and this farm doesn't grow very, very much, but um, grapes thrive there. Dates thrive there. If you were here last night, you'd have tasted dates from that farm, which I brought in my suitcase from Amman. And also tomatoes. And, and, and frequently there is such a crop of tomatoes that he can bring 200 crates of tomatoes, tomatoes, I better get back to what I usually call them, and, and, and to feed the hungry. And nobody really knows the full story, or not very many people, of why God blessed that family with tomatoes, because they gave them away all those years ago, and now they are shining as lights in a dark place. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. I want to ask three questions today. What does Jesus mean by this, number one? Number two, because when you look at it, it's quite, it's quite an, uh, an outstanding claim to make. Is it credible? How can it be credible? Now, I'm not doubting Jesus' words. What he says is true, but we've got to understand its credibility. If we don't see its credibility, we won't connect with its truth and we won't live it out. So what does he mean? Is it credible, number two? Third question is, how does it work? Let's begin with the first question. What does it mean to be salt and light? Well, the uh, idea behind salt and light is found by the function, the properties of salt and light. Salt and light are two basic essentials in life. They're not the only ones, but they are two of the main basic essentials of life. Salt is essential. Even in today's industrial world, salt is essential in many industrial processes. I'm told there are 11 biblical uses of salt. I'm only going to give you two today uh, in, in the Bible. But today it's used, as we know, in food preparation, and food preservation. Light, of course, is one of the most basic, life-sustaining resources on the planet. You can't have life without light. And so just as salt is essential in flavoring and, and preserving food, so we are essential in this world. 
We make this world a more wholesome place, a more acceptable place for us and others to live in and flourish in. And just as light is, the, uh, is essential to life as we know it, it, it also enables people to see clearly and to make sense of the world, to find direction and indeed hope. Just how important light is in our community has been recently emphasized in the campaign to help women be more safe outside of the home in what can be a dangerous and violent city. And part of that campaign was to make sure that lighting in the streets, in public places and in parks was adequate. And so just as light helps people find their way and come to a place of security, so our presence in the world helps people see what is really important in life, help them find direction and to find levels of security. So that is what we can learn from salt and light in our own world today. But back in Bible times, Salt and light had very special significances. Do you know that salt in the Bible is often associated with wisdom? Wisdom. And also with offerings and with the covenants of God. Salt was often added to offerings. In a way, we added salt to our offering today. Did, did you see that? by not just giving as out of habit or just doing it because it was the right thing to do, but putting it in a context, sanctifying it, sanitizing it, and understanding what we were doing. Now, salt was added to offerings, seasoned with salt, I guess, to kind of say to God, we want this offering to be pleasing to you. We want it to be sanitized. We want it to be free from our own human motivations. We want it to be flavorsome and appetizing to you. Two of the major Old Testament covenants, the covenant with the priesthood and the covenant with David and the Davidic kings, they were called covenants of salt. Have you ever seen those references? Covenants of salt. Why would a covenant be linked to salt? Probably because these were perpetual covenants, enduring covenants, the preservative qualities of salt supplied metaphorically to these covenants. They were ongoing, enduring covenants. So today, when we are salt in this world, we are covenant witnesses. We are faithful testimonies to the faithfulness of God to hear all his promises, and also to the possibility of entering into a covenant relationship with God. And how about wisdom? Colossians 4 verse 6 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how, to, how you ought to answer each person. You know, one of the ways that we function as salt is through our words, wise words, words of wisdom, words of discretion, 
Maybe you can think of situations when there was some tension in your office and people were gossiping about each other, the thing was about to explode, and you stepped in without even thinking about it, but spoke some words of wisdom and averted a crisis, helped bring something down, or, you know, bring the tension down, or God gave you just a few words of wisdom which opened and unlocked an issue, a problem in somebody's life, in the family, or in the workplace. Words of wisdom, salt. Now in scripture, light is associated, again with wisdom, but also life, understanding, revelation, and the triumph of the powers of light over the powers of darkness. There's a victory element here. Creation began with those words of God speaking out, let there be light, and there was light. That's the first act of creation. And I, I listened not so long ago to a debate uh, of atheists, and they were puzzled about, about, by this. They said, how can the Bible get it so right? Meaning that science recently has understood how light would have to be part of the very beginnings of the universe. Nothing else would have happened. And they said, how can it be? Maybe the theologians, maybe the Hebrew Bible was right. They didn't say that, but of course, we know it points to the scripture and its truthfulness. Certainly, light is used of revelation. The revelation of God's salvation. The light of the glory. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the person of Christ is the light of salvation. Christ, who is the true light, the light that cannot be extinguished, revelation. Also, light has to do with life and living, walking in the light of God's word. You all know the scripture, Psalm 119, your word is a light to my path and a lamp to my feet. Salt and light, essential to the well-being of our planet. Now I want to ask you a, a real personal question. I know you're listening to a message right now, but I want to ask you, is that how you think of yourself, really? Do you really believe, do you really think of yourself as being essential to the well-being and the flourishing of others around you? I mean, the question is this, do you know who you are? And how you live in the world really makes a difference. Is it possible? Is it believable? Is it credible? Do you really believe it? Now, let's look then at the second question. Is it, cre is it credible? Is it credible? First thing we think about is our, our numbers. We, we are a minority. I, I guess a minority uh, in the world, even if we looked at the 31% of people in the world today who have some kind of adherence to Christianity. We don't know how many of them are real disciples of Jesus. We don't know, but we're small in number. How can we be the salt of the earth? We're so little. But we've forgotten that a little salt goes a long way. Small in numbers, but big in influence. Today, uh, our health advisors are suggesting we put less salt 
so you don't eat the processed salt, but less salt, it tells us, actually, a little salt goes a very long way. If you've ever had the misfortune of sprinkling some salt into the pot and the cap comes off, you try and scrape it back, you just can't get that salt back out of that pot. We have this saying today, I don't know if you heard it recently, oh, you can take that with a pinch of salt. You can take that statement with a grain of salt. What is that saying? It's saying somebody has exaggerated a statement or saying something that's economical with the truth, and you can't quite swallow it as it is. That statement needs to be sanitized. And so a little grain of salt is enough. A little bit of salt goes a long way, as long as the salt remains salty. Jesus says if the salt loses its taste, it's, it's, it's really of no value. It, it's as good as rubbish. Chuck it out, becomes dust, and just becomes the kind of thing that people are walk, walking on on the pavement. Now, I remember way, way back, I don't know, I, it might have even been junior school when we started learning about chemistry. Sodium chloride salt never loses its properties. So when Jesus says when salt loses its taste, what's he talking about? Well, I think simply two, two things. First of all, if that salt gets mixed with something else, it's unusable. Or if the salt somehow is washed away and the saltiness is diluted. So Jesus is saying you can have big influence if you remain salty, if you don't get polluted or diluted. And a good illustration of that is the grit that we use in wintertime. I know we still haven't finished with summer yet. Mind you, I haven't seen summer yet, but anyway. Maybe in a few months' time, we'll be getting the gritters out. You've seen those lorries that spread grit. We sprinkle it ourselves. Maybe you put a bit of salt, actually, on your step to make it not slippery in icy weather. So what happens is, first of all, that grit is salt and sand and whatever else is in it, okay? So when the gritter goes by, you don't say, excuse me, stop, stop, stop. I've forgotten to go to the shop. Can I just have a pinch of salt, please? Can I take some salt for my salad? You wouldn't use it. That's what Jesus meant. It's lost its saltiness. It's lost its effectiveness. And so when that grit is spread, chemical properties take over. And, and uh, I understand this much, that salty water freezes at a far lower temperature than ordinary water. That's why when you put salt in with grit and spread it on the ice, the ice melts. But when the ice melts, it washes away the salt. So all you're left is with grit. And quite literally, that's what you walk on in the pavement. That's what your car drives on after a salting session. So, salt goes a long way. Light also goes a long way in the darkness. I don't know if you have somebody sleeping in the same room as you are and they wake up in the middle of the night, switch on their mobile phone, your eyes get dazzled, it's like lightning. What's happening? No, it's just a mobile phone. 
But when your eyes are accustomed to the dark, the light shines very, very brightly. Even a single candle is highly visible from a distance. Did you know that? According to physicsworld.com, that's my authority, check it out for yourself, you can see a candle from 1.6 miles away with the naked eye. And that's even not the image that Jesus is talking about here. When he says you are the light of the world, he's not talking about your individual influence somewhere in your dark corner. He's talking about a city set on a hill, the community of God's people who are publicly putting on display the glory of God, highly visible from a distance. So light pierces the darkness. Are you still not convinced that what Jesus says is credible? Let me quickly give you seven ways in which you shine and you will see Jesus' statement is entirely credible. We should take it seriously and run with it big time. Number one, we shine because we, we bear witness to the light who is Christ. Number two, we shine because we walk in the light of God's truth, his word. Number three, we shine because we are children of the father of light. Number four, we shine because we carry the light of God's life. Number five, we shine because we have the Holy Spirit, the spirit of illumination. Number six, we shine because we do works of light, not darkness. Number seven, we shine because we walk in the light of God's love. I went through those very quickly. You can pick them up from the recording. But that's just to show you how credible this statement is. So today, we have to step in to the full realization, appreciation, take it on board. You are essential to the planet. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So we come to the final question. How does this work in practice? How does it work? Obviously, we've touched on it. You've got to keep your saltiness. Keep your saltiness. Don't allow your life to be mixed with the dirty sand of your environment. Don't let the water of dilution wash away your saltiness. Don't become polluted or diluted. Keep your saltiness. But that's not enough. You have also to apply that salt to the whole of your life. Very, very important. This is a key thing. It's not just that you keep your salt in the salt cellar for your own private use. To function as salt, you have to apply it to every area of your life, both private and public. R.T. France, the Bible commentator, says this image, salt and light, takes for granted that the job description of a disciple is not fulfilled by private, personal holiness, but includes the witness of public exposure. 
That's very important because there is a kind of dampening effect, a chilling effect today in our society, in our, in our culture. And there is a, a strong emphasis, a move towards the privatization of religion, keep it out of public life. But when you go to work, you take your salt with you. You are salt, not to insult or to assault, but to salt your environment. In fact, a kind of prayer uh, action you can do to accompany your prayer, don't do it when anybody's watching, but you can walk around the office and make out you're sprinkling something. What are you doing? Anybody sees you, what are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm salting the office. And you will say to me, I know what you're thinking, thank God for some salt in the office. Ah, my office needs sanitizing and it's not just COVID. We need to desanitize people's thinking and the atmosphere. Well, you can do it. You have the power to do it for you are the salt of your office. You are the salt in your home. You are the salt in your community. That means we are different but relevant. Also means we've got to get out of the salt cellar. Now, let me just explain this. You know, in many ways, we are gathered in the salt cellar. That's where we are. But at the end of the service, what God wants to do is pick us up, take, uh, turn us upside down, and shake us out all across our world. Every area of your life, salt it with the influence of the kingdom of God. That's why our cell groups, the open cell groups, happen out there. Now, the leadership cell groups, that really is about gathering together in the salt cellar. That can be in the church building. It can, doesn't have to be out there because what we're doing is inspecting our salt. We are checking out that we are salt is pure and, and we're making sure that the, uh, the salt content is high quality, good Salt. But then once that's done, we haven't started yet because in the open cells, we start sprinkling that salt. We become an influence in the homes, in the streets, in the parks, in the colleges, in the classrooms, in the offices, in the bars, in the cafes, wherever God sends us. That's the vision of the cell ministry. It's out there being salt in the world. So there we go. We apply it to the meat. We know that the meat does not change its nature and character, but when we put salt on it, we improve its flavor and also we hold back corruption. In the days before refrigeration, salted meat was all that they could eat in many different places in the world. So keep your saltiness, that's how it works, and apply it to the whole of your life. How about light? Well, don't hide it. It's the first thing. Don't hide your light. Shine where God has placed you. Jesus said, city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And um, if you go to Galilee today on a tour, most often the tourist guide will stand with you by the Lake of Galilee and I ask you to look up into the hills and you will see the town of Sifat. And they will always say, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now that might have been the city Jesus was referring to, but it's no, no matter. 
The point is, the picture is clear. A city that is high and visible will be seen for miles and miles around. And again, realize that it's not just you on your own. I mean, I shouldn't knock it. It was a beautiful little song. Um, Jesus bids us shine with a pure, clear light. Anybody know it? Nobody knows it. All right, maybe I'm 105. <laughs> like a little candle shining in the night. You in your small corner and me in mine. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Get out of your small corner. Stand together and burn brightly together with the people of God. A city set on a hill shall be visible. Now, I say this with a little bit of humor, but also with a degree of seriousness, a great degree of seriousness, because what's happening right now, right now, with COVID, we thank God for the connections we have to live streams from all over the world. It's like going into a global restaurant and you can pick and choose whatever you want, any flavor, not just of the month, but of the minute. And that's good. Enjoy the good stuff that is coming from live streams around the world. But when that causes you to lose connection with your community, something will work against Jesus' salt and light teaching. God calls us as a community to shine together in a certain place. He's put us in a certain place. Just as God has put you in a certain place to shine for him, God positions the various expressions of the body of Christ, the different communities. And while we all love and serve the same Jesus, we are not all the same. Gordon is speaking on the churches in the book of Revelation. God had a message for each of those churches. A special role, a special place, and a special mission for them to fulfill. And you are part of a community. You believe in family. So link together. Be wired up. Let's change it from candles into electricity. You need to be wired up to the same source and shining with the same light and the same purpose according to the corporate will of God in your life as a community. God calls you to shine for him in connected community. So, <laughs> I'm trying, brother. <laughs> okay, so now let, let me come into land, but I am going to land long. And I want you to look at this view because it's the view of you. Sometimes when you come into land at Heathrow at night, they come at a certain, a nice, a nice way. You just get a whole tour of London. You feel they should charge tickets, extra tickets for the view you see. Now, this is a view. This is a view of you because what I've done, and many of the cell leaders have helped, I said, tell me what's going on. How are you seeing your life manifesting in salt and light in your workplace? I've had so much information. I'm going to share some of it with you. These are real stories. And next week, we'll go further. So how does all this work? Let's put it together with real life examples as we as individuals, small groups and together as we shine for Jesus in the city and beyond. Okay, here we go. The school and children's works in Ghana. 
are shining for Jesus right now. Making a difference. Not just building community, but creating community. A school was built where there was nothing. Kids came. And where the kids came, the parents came. Parents came, business came, business came, community came. Now there is a flourishing community in that isolated part of Ghana shining as a beacon of light. Throughout the pandemic before and afterwards, our food hub is a beacon of light. Hundreds during the pandemic and since have come to be helped. Families seeing the light of Jesus, love. Our youth football academy in North Kensington, right around the Grenfell Towers, for many years has been a shining light as without being condescending, disadvantaged families. Young people have found a bit of purpose through sport and beginning to think somebody there loves us. It was a non-evangelistic. We, we, we couldn't go around giving out tracts. We were just showing by our, our love, by what we did. And then they would come and be presented with their trophies here in the church. Shining in North Kensington. The work we did in the coronet for the 10 years when we had that building had more impact on Notting Hill than anything that has ever happened in this building. Amongst the community. They recognized us. They saw that we weren't just preachers and screechers. We weren't just noisy neighbors, nuisance people with our parking. We made a difference in the community. Almost every day of the week, street witnesses, prayer for the sick takes place, shining on the street corners. The work you do amongst families on your estates, where you live, counseling, encouraging, standing with people who've lost loved ones. One young man lost his life in a knife attack, and that has become the basis of a witness and a move of God in one of our housing estates. The homeless, those struggling with poverty, struggling in their mental health, you are there for them. The work in Marseille, teaching French to the refugees, helping them access social care and housing. The street kids of Brazil through our Pulso Youth Program. Your daily influence in your place of work as you patiently listen and quietly step in to help solve problems, to help encourage people. Your testimony, your acts of kindness, your works of love to the people you meet wherever you go. Your work in schools as parent, governors, teachers. Your stand in the national health, dropping in a gentle word, especially during this time of pain and difficulty. There's more tolerance for you to be allowed to pray for families to counsel those who have been unable to be with their loved ones at the time of their death. 
Times renew as parents concerned Christian parents with a, a word, a little word of salt, not insult or aggression, but a little wise word have been able to drop in a word, a little grain of salt that has influenced school policy just that bit more in favor of freedom of expression in Christ. Brothers and sisters, your presence in the world is making a difference. And essential difference. Let's give Jesus praise for that.